why did you ask that question? The thousand thousand years from now? No, not the thousand year. The, the gods the, must be crazy. I mean, the, yeah. why the isolated islands? Yeah. What, what, okay. why did I, you was ask go, that? I was going with that to to think about coming back in a thousand years. We would have been on an you would have been on an island for a thousand years. Okay. And so, whatever you come back to. Yeah, there'd be a lot of strange things I wouldn't understand if and, we were here. Right. And and if we were here with the way things are progressing, will we need bodies? Or will we just be mines in jars? Or will we just be a network connecting? I mean, the way things are progressing so rapidly, does the human body need to exist? Oh, my God. You have really become esoteric now. I know, I'm going off the deep end. Yeah. Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversations, a podcast addressing race relations and social issues in hopes that you'll be inspired to do the same. Now, let's begin our conversation with your hosts, Dr. Peter Weinstein and Dr. Philip Nelson. I had lunch with a good friend towards the end of the conversation. It was one of these two hour lunches where we solved all the world's, the veterinary world's problems and some of the other world problems. He said, so Peter, if you could come back in a thousand years and take a look and see how things are going, would you want to? So Phil, if you could come back in a thousand years, assuming you're not still the Dean in a thousand years <laughs> of another veterinary school, in a thousand years, if you could come back and just take a look at to where we are and how we're doing, would you want to do so? Absolutely. Okay. Why? Why not? I'm trying to figure out why, why anybody would say no. I'll tell you why. I said oh, no. Oh, good. I, that's what I figured. Go ahead. Remember the end of the original Planet of the Apes? Charlton Heston riding yes. a horse with the mute girl yes. coming mm -hmm. upon the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, and then realizing that they had wiped themselves out after all that. That's exactly why. I have that fear that we're heading in that direction just because of so much of what's going on present day, whether it's global warming, whether it's nuclear, whether it's just this inability to have a conversation, all of those things, and it worries me for my kids and as to what they're going to have to deal with. And I guess I'd like to leave when I leave, thinking that the world will be better and be fine. And I really don't want to come back and find that it's not. Well, I still say emphatically, yes. And I, now I'm going to tell you why. Uh, first of all, everybody that I would have loved and known would be dead by then anyway, regardless right. of, of what I find, right? right? So it's not about that as much as it is about my interest in humanity and I will have been dead and gone so from a scientific physics related standpoint the ability to come back and view view the consequences of our actions now a thousand years from now would be almost theoretical and if I'm able to do that I'm in another plane of understanding so I don't care now if I'm able to break time the time barrier and find out what's going to look like in a thousand years and come back I might care a little more about whether I want to see it, but I still would want to see it because I would believe that if I find out that 
we're not here anymore, or we made some catastrophic mistake and we are here, but things are a whole lot worse that I might be able to have an influence on that. And I'd definitely be motivated to be, to work harder. And I may find out that I'm wrong. Climate change is not the big deal that I thought it was. It's, uh, there's something else that's going to take take us out before climate change does. The Andromeda uh, strain. The Andromeda strain, or, or or the COVID strain. So yeah, I definitely I, I want to know what how we came out. I want to know if we were able to get it together. There's always going to be unrest. There's going to be a Chinese emperor too. San Salvador is is still a country that may or may not join the rest of the world. I mean, there's always going to be threats. Uh, you know, and so what you and I are experiencing and talking about, there are people in the Amazon forest right now that has, it has no effect on them. They're burning their forests to grow food. And they've been living like that for years. And we're worried about the carbon, carbon dioxide dump that's they're eliminating. You know, we're back to perspectives again. Mm-hmm. Right. And the question is, how does that add up? I don't, and my mind isn't big enough to figure out how all these individual issues add up to, a, to societal advancement. But it's an intriguing question. And I want to see the answer sheet to the test after I've taken the test. How about if we give you the answers beforehand and then you spend the rest of your life preparing for the test? Well, that's not a test. I mean, you could. Life is the test. And, and we're fighting over what we think the answers are. The question is, how do we fight? You remember a movie called The Gods Must Be Crazy? No. It's where a Coke can lands, falls out of a plane and lands in Africa, undeveloped area. How much of the world, 7 billion people that we have, live in an environment that is so isolated that they have no clue about the challenges that we're all dealing with. What do you think? 10%, 20%? Yeah, I would say you're close to that. It may be as high as 20. Okay. It all depends on what your definition of isolation is. I mean, they may have no electricity. They may have right. limited access to information. It's but they may have knowledge. Correct. They, they, have, they have knowledge of what's going on locally and maybe from somebody who passes through that, that, brings information, but they haven't been influenced by external variables. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a very small percentage and I'm not sure, but I'm sure as big as this globe is and with all of the different topographies, you might come up with 20%. They'd be extremely scattered. But even then, even though I said that, I watch a lot of nature shows too. And you know, we have behavioral scientists that are contaminating those groups just observing them right right which means that your whole question has already been dumped the percentage of purely untouched people who don't know anything about the progresses outside of their community is probably nil yeah because the minute somebody starts to do research on them somebody has influenced them that's right there's got to be an island somewhere Oh, I doubt there's an island. Yeah. Uh, you mean uh, the island of people somewhere? There yeah. are. I, I'm sure there are. But even when we had, when we lived in villages, we reached out to other villages. It would have to take a physical island that is 
yes. isolated. Yes, and I, with our satellite, I find it hard to believe we can't find that that there's an island that we don't know about. Now, we may not have visited it, but if we had discovered the Galapagos Islands, you know, where there's nobody living and then protected it because because nobody wants to live there anyway. If there's an isolation, it's in a forest or, I mean, deep in a forest that we haven't gotten to yet. That doesn't mean hikers haven't gone through and showed them a camera right. so they could take a picture. You know, who'd have thought how many people would have climbed Mount Everest? Right. You know, and the, and the number of people who have died trying to climb Mount Everest. Why did you ask that question? The thousand, thousand years from now? No, not the thousand years. The, the gods the, must be crazy? I mean, the, yeah. why, the isolated islands? Yeah. What, what, okay. why did I, was go, I was going with that to, to think about coming back in a thousand years, we would have been on an you would have been on an island for a thousand years. Okay. And so whatever you come back to. Yeah, there'd be a lot of strange things I wouldn't understand if and, we were here. Right. And and if we were here with the way things are progressing, will we need bodies? Or will we just be mines in jars? Or will we just be a network connecting? I mean, the way things are progressing so rapidly, does the human body need to exist? Oh, my God. You have really become esoteric now. I know. I I'm going off the deep end. Yeah. If you're a sci-fi person, I just figured I'd throw this out at you. Yeah, well, I haven't seen our physical nature change that much in a thousand years. No. We've been here 20,000. We've been taking history for 2,000 years. And our bodies have, have not changed to the point that we think we're going to become ephemeral. Right. But our minds right. have changed. Our minds have changed, yes. But it's not, that's not going to happen in a 1,000 years. If it happens, we're talking, I think we'd be on another planet. Let's just put it that way. Well, by a 1,000 years from now, there'll probably be 30 billion people trying to survive on this planet. Yeah, which I means know. Which we better be on another planet. Well, there are a lot of reasons why we need to be on another planet. Yeah, you know, we only we we only have about one or two billion years before this planet is destroyed. Well, that, one one or two billion years before the planet gets destroyed. But what about the people on the planet? And I know the self destructive nature that we currently are. I'm in? just saying, even if you solve that problem, yeah, right. And so that's why the advances in physics are so important to us as a society. But it's also why. The conversation is so important to us because it's important to our future. Are you in Jackson right now? I mean, I, I forgot whether you were heading out towards uh, toward the South this week or not. No, I'm not. Yeah, because you talked about the past now and the future. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of Casey Kasem's American Top 40 as I ride my bike. Uh-huh. Because it's totally mindless. And it, But it's like I'm listening to music from 1984, 1978, 1988. <laughs> It's amazing. You know, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm doing it. Uh, Nicole bought me one of those uh, uh, for Christmas. She bought me one of those um, combination media yeah. uh, things so that I could play my albums. Yes. And I've got this great stereo system that I had to take apart because they bought me a big TV years ago and I never put it back. I never had time to put it back together. But I have this huge library of albums that I don't listen to because everything's online now. Right. Right. 
but I miss being able to hear the music I want to hear. And I'm not buying digital. And partly because it, I, I kind of miss the static of, a, of an album. Anyway, I'm listening to the same genre you're listening to just because that's when I grew up. So where I was going with that is the fact that all of a sudden there's music that was top 40 music that I never heard before. Because like you now in the last 15 years, you're so busy being busy. Yes. That you lose track of what's going on around you. I mean, there's part of the 80s, 1982 to 1986, when I was in veterinary school, that I don't believe existed. And things happened. Yes, I did go to Farm Aid 1 because it took place on campus at the University of Illinois. And yes, I watched Live Aid on TV and I watched the 1984 Olympics on TV and on VHS because I was working and the, the stuff was going on. But there's music. And then the next phase is when I opened my own hospital. And I was too busy with that to know what music was about. How much of the last X number of years have we lost the past that we're trying to think about now so we can project the future? And as you watch TV shows of the 80s, of the 70s, it's like, oh, how did I miss that? When was it on? You know, episodes of Seinfeld, episodes of Friends. I remember all in the family and it's like, yeah, all of these reruns are available on TV. And it's like, I grew up watching those and you couldn't watch the reruns. Now I watch them and it's like, how did we get away with that? Yeah, now you can binge. Yeah. It's as you talked about earlier, the past now is looking back and saying, oh, I didn't know. I forgot. I missed it. Yeah, well. I, that's not what I meant to do. That's not what I want to do when, when I when I say I, I want to reflect. Mm -hmm. And I don't perceive it the same way. I I don't I don't see it as a loss. Hmm. I don't. I think everybody lives their lives in different windows, you know. And I, I tell my students that their development doesn't stop just because they've graduated from high school or or from college or from vet school the window shutters change as they go through major events in their lives, in their lives. And I challenge them in different areas. First, I'm challenging them to become good scientists. And then I'm challenging them to become moral healthcare givers. And I'm challenge, challenging them to become value-based human beings. And I'm challenging them to give back to society. And then after a while, you can see the strain of the challenges. And you have to say, oh, I forgot. You can't do it all at once. It's going to take some time for you to become a competent veterinarian. It's going to take some time for you to become a, a compassionate veterinarian and applying your humanistic values. It's going to take some time to give back to society because it's going to take some time for you to develop to the point where you have something to give. It's going to take some time for you to become secure enough in your own skin and in your own situation to donate time to society. Don't feel guilty of that. And don't feel as if you lost something because you missed something while you were preparing for the future. You know, and I like to suggest that they think of life in three to five year windows, you know, but at some point you need to include in that in, in that the time to give back, the things that you're doing. I admire you for the things that you're doing in, in providing healthcare for the indigent. 
and setting up vaccination clinics in veterinary deserts, organizing veterinarians who don't have the time to organize, you know, so that they can contribute their efforts. All of you should be applauded for that. My time is given in a different way in preparing young people. And so we each have our avenue. Well, we would continue this conversation on the past and the future some point in time, but that thousand year question came more on the future side of things. And um, I have one final question to wrap up today. No, you said the last one was final. Yeah, well, this is the final, final. Final, final. And then, there, and then there's a final, final, final? No. Oh, okay. Just the final, final. <laughs> Will you have your memoir done in a thousand years? I sure hope so. You know, we have a mutual friend that started haranguing me about writing a memoir three or four years ago. There was no way I was going to get it written while I'm being. And the way things have been going lately, I'm even wondering if it's even going to get started before the end of the year. Anyway, I do have a plan to finish it in a year and a half. I now have a reason to come back in a thousand years. Why is that? I'll see if you finished your memoir. <laughs> that's good okay it's watermelon time peanut butter and jelly time yes it is <laughs> i'm going to end the conversation with again a thank you to nationwide and a thank you to, to dr phil the one who's got hair and we will catch up with you listeners again sometime so thanks don't, very much don't let dr weinstein fool you he's the one that goes to the barber uh once a month <laughs> <laughs> and has to delay our podcast. And I too want to thank Nationwide for their support. And I want to thank all the listeners right. who have stuck with us. And uh, please send us your comments. Yep. And go to our webpage. Peterandphil.com. All right. Thank you for joining us for another Courageous Conversation. Be sure to follow us and check back next week for more.